What's going on, family? What's going on? What's going down? What's shaking? Welcome to another episode of Jonathan Soul. Family, I got a fantastic guest in the building, somebody who's an alumni of the Jonathan Soul podcast, somebody who's probably going to be the first black indie to reach issue 100. I'm talking about Derek Lipscomb. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, despite everything. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I got... Let me see. I got issue one, two, three, four, five. Uh, whoa, my six. I don't got six. Six and seven. Is that a is that a trade? Uh, the first six issues is one trade, and then the next six, I co I'm collecting them in uh, issue uh, increments of six. Okay. All right. I got eight, nine. I bought two copies. Let's show ten, eleven, and twelve. All right. So I, I'm not up to speed yet. I got a. Uh, I gotta get um, yeah, I think seven, seven, and then I got it's two trades I gotta get, and I think I gotta get issue thirteen or fourteen. So, brother, you've been busy, man. You've been busy. So first of all, before you get into comic book stuff, how have you been holding up underneath this quarantine? Uh, it's definitely slowed down my productivity on on the comic. Um, you know, my day job. I'm they got me working at home right now, okay. and. My wife, who who works in the medical industry, obviously she's, you know, on site at her job working. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm being Mr. Mom at the same time. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, a nine to five, and then somehow I'm 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 trying to figure out how I can, you know, keep keep uh, being productive with the comic. I normally don't have a problem with it for some reason when I'm off site or I'm mm -hmm. on site at my job, but for some reason, like I don't know if it's the addition of my new. My newest one is about to turn one oh, this beautiful. month. Congratulations. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just a very demanding, you know, they all are when they're, they're that young and everything. So it just, it takes a lot of, uh, of that, uh, energy you have to put towards your kids. And, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that in a, uh, in a way where it's a, it's a, it's a bad thing. Cause I mean, I, I, I wish more parents could have at least one at home. Yeah. So they aren't thrown into, you know, uh, a daycare or somebody that mm -hmm. they're only going to or, you know, a couple of years of their life. They need to bond with their parents. So it's, true. it's a double-edged sword, you know? So I, I look at the silver lining of it. At least I get to spend time with my kids, you know, and raise them a little bit without, you know, being the guy that just comes home at five or six at night yeah. and eats dinner with them and then goes to sleep after reading them a story or, you know what I mean? Something mm -hmm. like, it's a little more uh, you know, intimate, so. That's beautiful, man. I mean, it's definitely a silver lining, especially when the kids are small. Now, right. um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, just to, for me to reemphasize, I'm talking with uh, Derek Lipscomb, the creator of The Maroon, which is a comic about a, a brother in the 1800s who's free. He's a freeman, uh, part Native American, and uh, he's been accused of a crime he didn't commit. And so he's trying to escape to Canada, as I recall. And, uh, you know, the devils is after him and he's been <laughs> cutting the path uh, to freedom. You know, ever since issue number one. Now, you know, you talk about, you know, spending time with the kids. I mean, if you did the pencils, the baby could do the inks and then the youngest could do color. I mean, you think that'll work? I'm trying to make it happen. I'm trying to make it happen right now. My daughter, she's uh, she's rubbing off on me a little bit. She's she's trying to draw her own her own little comic character. She's got a little character called Lily. Oh, OK, OK. <laughs> she's trying to pedal. I mean, last year at one of the conventions, she was trying to sell flowers for like 50 cents and people were paying her a dollar oh that's so, beautiful <laughs> the entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit is strong in this family okay okay you know i couldn't have been more proud you know she i think she almost outsold me in in, in terms of 
quantity. Oh, that's, so. that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Cuteness helps. Cuteness definitely helps. It does. That's right, beautiful, man. Much. <laughs> now, now with this quarantine piece, you know, there are some people who are working, working from home. But I mm-hmm. think that the most tenuous kind of vibration is the folk who are working in the medical field. I mean, has this mm-hmm. been extra difficult for you since you, you said your wife works in medicine? Well, yeah, well, she's, you know, she's a medical assistant. She's uh, she's she's kind of like the front line. She sees the people come in and everything like that. So that's mm-hmm. always a thing for me, um, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, she's she's managing really well with it. She's being very responsible about it. You know, she comes home, she leaves her shoes outside the house. Oh, wow. She, she doesn't kiss us or anything until she goes into the restroom and takes off the, the, the scrubs and she washes up. And, wow. you know, she, and so I, I admire her, 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 um, you know, her tenacity to stick with that. You know, she's really good about, you know, all of that, you know, and, and so she loves what she does. So. You know, it's probably not as challenging for her as it is for us at home. You know what I mean? Or me, at least. My daughter understands the coronavirus is a a bad thing. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if she understands how bad it's been, but she knows that we can't go anywhere because of it. So, Um, but I'm the one that has to think about all that stuff and, you know, kind of keep them in check when they want to go outside all the time. (laughs) Right, 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 right. I mean, yeah. but they can still go out in the, I guess, the the, the, the backyard or whatever, or the, or the common area and play and, and stuff yeah. like that, right? I mean, we still getting yeah. sunshine and everything, right? Absolutely. It's just when she knows I'm going to make like a, a run to the store for you. the, you know, she wants to come along and I'd rather she just doesn't. <laughs> so. Right, 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 right. <laughs> now, in my state of Maryland, uh, they're, they're, the, the governor is saying, Okay, we've entered phase whatever, and uh, let's open things up for all the counties except the ones with the, you know, with the high the highest uh, Spiegel County and um, in, in the Montgomery County. Right. So, right. so some people are like hooray, and other people is like no, stay inside. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not a medical person, so all I got is my conspiracy brother vibration. You know what I mean? I mean, I hear you. <laughs> do, do you th- to me, if I gotta be sick. I'd rather have health insurance. You know what I mean? I'd rather have sick time kind of a thing. I don't want to be sick. Nobody wants to be sick. Right. I, I, I don't know, man. What do you think? You th- Us not I, being medical people, you think they did the right thing with closing down the economy? You think that's what they did? That's a hard call to assess. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a double-edged sword, I see it as. You know, like, uh, you know, there's always that one side where it's like, better safe than sorry, but how can we be safe if we don't have the funds? Right. You know, yep. So it, it really has to come down to just with that that order, everybody has to restructure how we run businesses, how we stay employed. You know, yeah. figure out how to keep people working but staying in a safe environment. You know what I mean? Like these things do need to be in place going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I know I know my company is taking steps to make the work environment safe whenever we do return. But like, you know. Uh, it, it hasn't been a challenge for me to work at home. So my my outlook is, if you can make, if people can work at home, and you're not worried about having to monitor them and anything like that, then mm-hmm. you know, that's that's your answer there. You know, uh, my brother he works for uh, a pharmaceutical uh, insurance company, mm-hmm. and he said that they even have a better a thing in place where they're letting some people come back, but people who have pre-existing conditions, be it asthma, be it diabetes like myself, they stay home and work because okay. they're more prone 
to exposure. And I think that's very smart too. Um, okay. So there's different things that different places are doing. They're not just blindly going at it and being like, you know, there's some of these folks out in the Midwest and such who are just, they just want to open the doors and be like, I need money. Come on in. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it seems a little reckless from the outside point of view. I mean, I can sympathize with anyone that needs to, to feed, put food on the table and all. Sure. You know, within reason, you got to, I mean, it, it really takes a lot of planning and, and, and trying to cover as much bases as you can without just diving in, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You and know, so, I, when, I, when, uh, when the campaign was going early this year before, you know, this, this crazy shit struck. Uh, at first, I was supporting uh, Marianne Williams. Uh, don't ask me why, but I was supporting Marianne And then I was supporting Yang because he talked about, you know, the technology is taking people's jobs and not getting trained out of yada, which is true. And I believe in giving every American uh, $1,000 a month kind of thing. You know, Yang seems very promising. And I'm surprised a lot of people didn't really, like, catch on with him as much as I thought they should have. Yeah, I think they, they I think the, the machine prefers to have establishment types and that's all they're going to support mm-hmm. even if they have to lose to Trump. You know what I mean? It's like, we at least at least Trump is not rocking the boat. But the, the reason I bring it up is because mm-hmm. didn't Trump just send a whole bunch of people like $1,200 or $1,000 or something like that? <laughs> I was so like, okay, so so you know, and then Mer- uh, uh, Pelosi, who's about two years from a hundred, she's huh? talking about uh, two thousand dollars a month, not to be outdone by Trump, yeah. and uh, student loan right. forgiveness. I'm like, put her in the White House. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if there's one thing I know a lot of people have been moaning about is student loans. You know, myself yeah. included, and that for a number of years, and then. Yep. At this point, I've already been forgiven for it, but beautiful. That's another story, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember reading an article where Obama said he paid off his loans two years before. Let me see. Let me get this right. He paid off his loans. I think he's either two years before he became a senator or two years before he was president. And right. and he ran right. for president like. Like as soon as he was qualified, I think you got to be in the office for like two hundred and seventy-five days or something like that. But the the point yeah. is that you know that student loan stuff is a bitch. I mean that's real in terms of the pressure it puts on on families and, and stuff like that. So the well, fact I mean, that these guys are trying to give us bread, it's like right. well, what's going on? <laughs> what's yeah. Going on? yeah, no no kidding. I mean I to to put some perspective on that. I mean when I went to school and I was only going for an associate's. Uh, in graphic design, mm-hmm. um, that price tag, I could have gotten myself a, a brand new nice car. Wow. Um, I didn't have a nice car at the time. I was tooling around in a, you know, a little used beater, but I was like, oh, I can make the stretch. But man, I mean, <laughs> yeah. think about it now. And it's like, you know, for what I went to school for and what I learned, you could go on the YouTube, the yes. university, you know what I mean? Yes. And save money and get yourself a nice car. And I would tell anybody, you know, I wouldn't say not to go to school to anybody because I don't think I'm not one of those that says, oh, you know, college isn't worth it. I, I think I think if you're you're pursuing certain certain uh, careers in your life that require that you need to go, you know, what I mean, you need to do the work. You know, if you're going to be getting a nursing, you're going to get into any of the medical field. Mm-hmm. You need to do any of that stuff. Please 
online and <laughs> get yeah. your screen that way. Get, get in there and stuff like that. But I mean, like small technical, you know, venues like that, you know, you can probably get away with that online and such, you know. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think there's ways around it now where you don't have to be, you know, ball and chained with this this hefty price tag for the rest of your, you know, youth, you know. Yeah. Drag that around, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think you're right in, in terms of you know what YouTube being the the university of the air and all that good stuff. I mean, uh, like I said, unless you're cutting somebody open, you can learn what you need to learn on YouTube. I think the only problem is one, you know, older people like myself, I mean Gen Xers and stuff, it's hard right. to look at your kid and say, ah, you don't got to go to school. You know, what I mean, right. particularly if they're not a super go getter. You know what I mean, kind of a thing. You might. And HR reps, HR, I think is is the is the impediment, because if right. you get on YouTube and you study how to build servers, for example, right? I'm in IT, and you go and you know you learn how to all this kind of shit, right? Look at all these certs I got, and you don't got no job experience. The HR person who doesn't know shit about computers is yep. not going to pass your, your your resume up the chain. So I right. think that's if we get over that hurdle, right. You know, to maybe, okay, well, here, take this test and, and some skills assessment. Then we'll put you in the pool. I think then we can move forward. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, I think that's that's the truth. And, I, you know, and I, I'm, I'm also not one that's going to be like, to, even to my own kids, you know, look, you have two options. One's college and one is YouTube. I, I'm going <laughs> to. You ain't going to say the military, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That was that was my generation. You can go to college, go to the military. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, I mean, if, unless that's that's in their heart and they want to do it, you know, they have my blessing and stuff. But like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in terms of higher education and such, how they want to pursue it, I would prefer they just do it, you know, the traditional way. But gotcha. You know, it depends on what it is as well, too. You know, if they're into the arts and such like that, like I didn't go to school to to draw. I self taught myself that. Mm-hmm. So I have. I have no, you know, professional, um, what do you call it? Any professional experience in terms of getting taught how to, how to do the human form or anything like that. I, I, went, I took community college schools, mm-hmm. uh, course, but that, I, I didn't, I didn't do a full, like, you know, I didn't go in for a degree or anything like that. And that was just to sharpen what I was already trying to figure out. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, everyone finds their own way. Everyone gets, has their own path. And sometimes it may not make sense to others. And mm-hmm. then when comes together you know there it is you know like i i look at my own i guess semi-success with this book is just the fact that i'm you know largely doing this on my own i mean with the help of you know people who are editing and 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 you know embellishing the story mm-hmm. a bit here. but it's largely a, just a one-man operation you know yeah. um, and and i wouldn't i wouldn't have thought even 10 20 years ago that i would be able to do this on my own i even that's that's unheard of, you know. And mm-hmm. I now I think differently, and I also encourage others to do the same. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, uh, you know, the white noise out of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the book some more. So, um, the just for the, the the ladies and gentlemen who's listening who are not familiar with the maroon, can you give us a, a synopsis of the story so far? Yeah. So so far, we we I started the story. Uh, uh, as a mysterious man, just kind of who's who's trekking through eighteen uh, fifties U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, half black, half Seminole. Um, he's he's come up from 
Georgia, where he awoke in a barn uh, and, to, and, and uh, to a mob who, who accused him of slaughtering the whole town that that, that chicken coop, the, the barn he's in, uh, resides. They got no he, DNA, ladies and gentlemen. They got no eyewitnesses. Nothing. Nope. I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. He's laying there with a tomahawk, and then <laughs> right. and they're just they're they're crediting him for that. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he he breaks free, which I'll get into that in a couple of issues on how that worked out, mm-hmm. and has been pursued all the way up through Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, and come roundabout down towards Virginia. And in the current issue, he's in North Carolina, so he's kind of doing like a big, almost like a circle okay. in the eastern seaboard and along the way he's met an uh you know array of characters you know um mostly hostile because you know he's a black freeman on the run with a price tag on his head i mean and it's 1850s and he's met some allies some with questionable motives and um he's also been uh you know backstabbed by some of them in various ways um when I started this book, I wanted it to be just an episodic, you know, each issue was a standalone story. Mm-hmm. I, I thought of it more or less as just kind of a fun romp type thing. You know, this guy comes and he, it's like, you know, like I always said in uh, when we last, when I was last talking to you, it was more like an Incredible Hulk TV series thing. Yep, exactly. Yeah, from town to town. And he, he comes in and inadvertently solves a problem, albeit mm-hmm. by, you know, Maybe leave some people worse off. But but as I was developing this, uh, certain threads started to kind of come in and and direct the story, and um, it's actually really kind of helps help me focus and and tighten this character's evolution. Okay. So, so I have three stages right now. I have five um, trades that I have planned out, five volumes. But of the first three. He's going through different stages. In the first trade, he's known as the Maroon, but he's given the name Isaiah. Yep. He decides to take that name. And then in the second trade, he carries Isaiah more. I'll say the first trade is more about him being the Maroon. The second trade is about him taking the identity of Isaiah. And then by the end of that story arc, something horrific happens where he sheds that name. And he reclaims his birth name, which he gets from his father in a vision, which is Malache. Oh, okay. Uh, so Malache all of a sudden takes on a new form. Mm-hmm. And um, that you'll start to see how this happens with issues 13 and 14 going forward. He's a different person. And where he's in in his life and at this point, he's definitely in a lot darker of a place. And... Uh, He's the idea is I, I want to show this character evolve and go get, you know, thrown through the ringer and before he becomes full circle back to the maroon. So let me uh, let me interrupt you for a second here, because you bring up an interesting point. When I when I first read these issues, um, usually when you, when you read through a character, either the character changes through, mm-hmm. you know, the situations or the character remains the same and, and the people around him change. And I sure. thought that <clears throat> when I first read it, that he was remaining the same, but the people right. around him was changing. Is that a fair right. assessment or my way off? That's absolutely a fair assessment. Yes. Okay. So now you're saying in this next phase, he's going to go be, he's going to be going through some evolutions. 
Right. And I think that has to do with a particular character's change that affected him. Okay. Uh, someone he largely put his trust in, which is Matilda. Right. And, and how uh, issue 12 in particular ended. Um, I think that left him uh, shutting down and closing off to people in a way where he, he doesn't want anything to do with a lot of people. Okay. Uh, and you'll, you'll, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I hope I'm not spoiling a whole lot. Yeah. I haven't finished 12. So don't, 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 you know. Okay. Yeah. So, they all so, gathered in the woods and they negotiate. So I haven't got, I got past that part yet, but go ahead. Right. Right. And so, uh, by the end of that issue, he's, he's pretty much rocked with, uh, you know, he's ready to accept something and she's not. And she makes a decision for the both of them that basically, uh, you know, I mean, for anybody that would be a devastating thing. So. Um, now he's a different person, and the fact that he's been uh, cursed by some witches to be something that he doesn't want to be—it's kind of in the, he's in this point now where he might be letting go of that resistance. So uh, this new story arc is going to explore that, and you're going to see it even how it affects him physically. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, this is an edit. I'm going to cut this part out. Are you hitting or tapping the computer as you're talking? It sounds am, like, yeah, try not to do that. The microphone picks that up if you can. If oh, you can, not a problem. Not a problem. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, going back into the show. Okay, so so right now on if I go on Indie Planet, which is where I purchased the uh, the books from. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, indieplanet.com, i n d y planet.com. That's where you can get all the uh, the singles and the trades. So right now there are two trades out, right? Correct. Okay. I got the uh, volume, which is the. Uh, the Cursed Shadow, and the second volume, which is The the Unborn Dilemma. Okay, cool. And I'll be ordering those uh, this week so I can have... And then I think issue 13, right? That's what I'm yeah, missing. Thir- 13 and 14 is up. Oh, snap. Okay, all right. So I got four books to get. Okay, cool. So, uh, so, so let me ask you this, man. Yeah. I did a show a long time ago about how to get to issue 100. And I was kind of <laughs> sifting through the, the, the different experience, you know that I was getting from, from you and different other creators. And so how do you feel like you going on, along on that journey, man? I mean, I think you got the most issues out of all the people I'm tracking. I mean, how are you like, has your workflow changed? I know you said that during the quarantine, it's been difficult says, you know, you're doing uh you know, more time with the babies, which is a good thing, but like, yeah, it is. yeah. How are you uh, balancing? What's your new balancing method now? Well, right now I've taken the time to kind of just like write the scripts and try to tighten them as much as I can. Okay. Um, not really do it as much with the artwork. I have, I have probably about a fourth of issue fifteen already finished. Anyway, before I we got sent on home, uh, stay at home order. So I don't think that will be once things get back to normal and I can kind of resume my normal schedule and I can kind of fit things back the way they were. Mm-hmm back to, to my usual bi-monthly release um, and just to, you know, stay on that hopefully as long as I can. And I mean, like I said, the end game for me is to try to hit that like fifth, that fifth volume. And I don't know if that'll be issue 100, but it'll be, you know, kind of high up there. Okay. 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 Now um, there's another thing that I enjoy about Maroon and I don't know if it's, if people talk about it a lot, but, it's the fact that he takes vengeance on his enemies. That's why I read the book, to be honest with you. Right. As Generally, as a rule, I don't like to see my people in slavery kind of context. 
because I have a, I have a, I'm starting to build up the Jonathan Soul rules. You know what I mean? At least the comics. One, yeah. you know, my my overarching rule is that Malcolm wins. That's like the overarching rule. So when I look at comics, I want you know whoever our strong protagonist is, I want him to win. I don't want him to be on it because we can't be slaves in our imagination. That's number one. The thing right. that I like about your book is that the brother's not a slave. He's in a slavery context, but yep. he's 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 pretty damn free, and he expresses it by taking vengeance on his enemies. And right. I think that needs to happen more in comics. Sure. Have you sure. got any pushback on that or anything? I mean, if people say, hey, tone it down, hey, won't, you know what I mean? Have you, or are people just taking and say, yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, the people that I've spoken to that have read the book, they they responded actually positive about it. They okay. like the, they like the, uh, I mean, and they, they don't really, they're not really as specific about it, but sure. they do like the violence and the, and the payback because everyone likes a good revenge movie. Sure. Everybody likes someone seeing someone getting their comeuppance, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and I've always been one of those where, and this might be along the same vein as how you feel, especially when it comes to things like, you know, slavery, if you had movies like that, or, or you, you see somebody being wrong so much, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the fiction takes the high road and, and they just, they, they forgive somebody or they, they, um, they do the morally good, um, result. And for me, I wasn't interested in doing that. Right, right, right. So you wanted to see someone who who was pushed too much and confused about what's going on around them and reacting in that way where, you know, this is this is my only answer for you. And mm-hmm. if you want to keep bringing it on to me, then come get some and I'm going to keep giving it. And, you know, there's only one, you know, one knucklehead in the story that doesn't seem to get the message. And he keeps sending people after him. And that's that uh, character, Hinton. Mm-hmm. Now Hinton has a backstory that's coming up too. Okay. It starts in fourteen, and it's going to go into fifteen and sixteen. You're going to find out why he harbors this supreme hatred towards our people. Okay. Uh, I felt it was really important not to make him just this, uh, you know, surface level racist. Mm-hmm. He has to. He has to. I mean, because he needs to be. Uh, he needs to be a layered villain. Okay, and, and it was really challenging for me to put and write this character because obviously, you know, it's not something I want to do where I write, oh, let me write a story about someone that would want to see me dead, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, right. you know, and and try to understand them and, and sympathize with them. But I had to try to do something because some of the best villains are those where you can kind of see where they're coming from, but you would never do what they do, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to get... I'm trying to write that and hopefully it comes across in that way because it's really tricky stuff. You know, you have to, you really have to make them as despicable as you possibly can. So there's no room for sympathy at the same time. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So, so this, this basically is the part of the program where I ask you, so do you enjoy sympathetic villains? I, 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 there's two types of villains I really like. I do like sympathetic villains because that adds a lot of layer and depth to them. And it depends on the type of villain they are. Like, you know, I would say I'd pull from mainstream Magneto can be looked on as a sympathetic villain. 
um, you can understand his cause. Um, you wouldn't necessarily go to his lengths if you were in his shoes, hopefully. But there's a certain level where you would stop and they kept going. Um, and then there's the villain that can't be explained. Um, I like that, too, because that's terrifying. You know, um, you get that a lot in some really good horror films where people are being terrorized by something that they can't explain. And Can you give always... me a character like that in the superhero movie context? Maybe the Joker. Okay, Keith, Heath Ledger's Joker. Ledger's Joker, because his backstory okay. always changed. You didn't really know why he was doing what he was doing. You knew he was he was done with society, but mm-hmm. you didn't know what drove him to that point. And he wasn't going to let you know either. Okay. And he was unhinged, and you were nervous every time he was in a room full of people. Mm-hmm. And that was really a, that's what really makes his performance amazing to me is that you just he was unpredictable and and you know it just made everybody's palms sweat with that you know and and you know i don't think anyone else has been able to kind of bring that kind of villainy to a comic book villain um that level of villainy to a comic book villain in cinema right Uh, i mean even uh joaquin phoenix's joker i mean they gave him a backstory where you're kind of like oh well he had a problem you know what i mean and i added and to me that kind of took the power away from the character yeah he needs to be you know it's almost like well you know going even further back when they did uh the origin of Hannibal Lecter. Oh. And I was kind of... Like, you talking about you know, Red Dragon or land. something else? Well, it was... Uh, there was a movie called... Oh, so there was Hannibal. That was like the third book. But then they did like the... Oh, they did some lousy <laughs> movie where it went back to when he was younger. And he was growing up. So there up. was Silence of the Lambs. Then it was Hannibal. And then I thought Red it was Dra- Red Dragon. Red Dragon, that was like the beginning of when he was already caught. But there was one, and I uh, let me see if I can look this up. But uh, he was, he was. They they told his backstory in this movie. Okay. And it was, <laughs> it was just, it, it shouldn't have been done. It was almost, uh, it was almost like um, the way Darth Vader's origin was exposed after I, I, I Hannibal Rising. I'm sorry, that's what it was. Okay. That was a movie that came out in 2006. And it was that explored his childhood and, and it developed how he developed into the serial killer and everything. And, and it didn't need to be, it didn't need to be out there. I, I felt, I felt like it took away the power of the character. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that same way about things like with Darth Vader, with the prequels and stuff, after you've seen how he started and how he became like, we already knew enough about him from what, you know, what we want told us. And, then the rest was just like, there's still that air of mystery about him. Mm-hmm. And I gave him a very powerful presence. But then once you found out it was just about a woman. <laughs> right, right. It's always about a woman. Exactly. You know, it's about a woman. And um, it, it, it kind of, it kind of uh, derailed him for me a little bit. It took his power away from me. Okay. So, so, so here's where I want to, to, to See, as a as me person, this is not this is just my personal taste. I don't like sympathetic villains. Okay. And that's because of the escapist factor that mm-hmm. I bring to comics. And again, this is not a right around this is just a personal preference, Pepsi Coke type of thing. You know what I mean? So uh so I like the point that you made about um um Heath Ledger's Joker, that we didn't know where he came from. So to me, when you have a, a villain who's very determined, mm-hmm. has his own worldview, and you don't know where he came from, 
that right. guy is almost like a force of nature. Yeah, you know, exactly. kind of a thing. You know what I mean? He's 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 kind of transcended the human condition a little bit, kind of a thing. I mean, that's why Heath was to me more uh, in a different way. He 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 owned a lane. He created his own lane that was different from Jack Nicholson, for example. Now it's interesting that you brought that up because uh, also in <laughs> included in this, and you'll see this also starting with 13 and then 14 and it's going to carry throughout the next story arc. Okay. I have Hinton who is, like I said, I don't want to make him the ultra uber sympathetic villain, but I needed, I needed to give him a backstory to explain his motive. Okay. But I have another villain in there that has no explanation and he's that force of nature too. So I included two of them in there and they work. Okay. In, okay. Okay. You'll get both in this next story arc. And beautiful, beautiful. I I'm conscious of that when I was doing this because up until now, the Maroons have been pretty much unbeatable, right? I mean, yeah. everybody he's come across, he's been able to take care of fairly quickly. And I started to think about that as I was going through each issue. And, I, you know, I really haven't given him that challenge. I haven't really broken this man down. Now, now wait a minute now. You, you know I mean, the brother got some licks. You know I mean, he, he definitely took his share of, of fucking uh, falling off of cliffs and... <laughs> People yeah, cutting no, them and shit and fire and all the kind of stuff. So I mean, you know, and and, and he, what 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 Derek isn't telling y'all, ladies and gentlemen, is that there's a supernatural aspect to this whole world that he's building. And I'm not gonna go into it because I want you to go to Indie Planet, I N D Y Planet.com and buy this book, The Maroon. So so it, he's he's struggling. Yeah. He's struggling. It's, it's a serious struggle. It's a, it's a serious right. struggle. But yes. I just love the fact that almost every issue he's putting the axe in somebody's face. Man. There was this one cell, which I'll never forget. Uh, oh. It was at the dark. And I talked about this many times. It was at the dark. And um, the white guy's out there looking for him, you know, everything. And, and, and uh, Isaiah or the maroon jumps out the bushes. And the guy says, Jesus. You know what I mean? Because he's scared. And then uh, Maroon says, he can't save you now. <laughs> and, and, and so, I mean, that's, you, you can't get much freer than that. You know what I mean? Kind of a thing. So uh, so, so I enjoy that. I enjoy that because what I wanted to, to, to say is that, um, you know, when you have characters in movies or, or fiction or whatever who constantly get abused and violated and then they turn the other fucking cheek or... It reminds me of this concept that I heard about, which I have to study, about the slave morality and the master morality. Right. You know what I mean? The master morality is like, you're in my way. I'm going to move you, walk over you or whatever. The slave morality is like, oh, can we all get along? And that's just one person's perspective. I have to research that. But I like that when I go into the black comics, I'm seeing... To me, there's no morality greater than survival. You know what I'm saying? It's like we only got two cheeks. You know what I mean? It's like people gotta, you gotta fight back, baby. You're not gonna be around. But I mean, it, it, that's true also in in terms of a lot of cinema too. You see the same thing where it's it's all about the, you know, it's always about turning not turning the cheek, but like you, the person that's beaten down always takes the high road or, or is not allowed to be. Not allowed to be, you know, to take vengeance or to, to you know, react in a way that would be natural. Yeah. And, yeah. and that denies some of that humanity when they do that. 
You're right, not being right. more human. You're being less human. Right. Because even a rat will attack you if you get them in a corner. And it's like you denying them that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's just animal instinct in a sense. You know, um, any human being pushed to, to his limit may resort to those, you know, those tendencies. And, and um, you know, this guy has gone through enough already that most people haven't even gone through a fraction of in their life. And, uh, you know, there's more coming down his way. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the things I had learned a while ago is that, you know, make your hero, but run him through the ringer mm-hmm. and he'll come up like a bigger hero in the end. Okay. And okay. so that's, that's why I, I, I have this, this next story arc planned because, um, and the story arc, I'll just, I'll, it, it, I hadn't really uh, revealed it to anybody, but I'll say it here because I think it's kind of, it kind of gives you some insight, but it's going to be called Best Served Cold. Oh, okay. So if you know okay. that old. Uh, yeah, we're not old, talking about pizza. I, I know what you're talking about. I got you. Okay. Yeah. That's so um, All right. that's the next, uh, the next chapter, the next uh, collection. Excellent. Now, let me, let me move into this one, you know, as we, as we close, how you write women. Mm. So there are several prominent women in this series, uh, you know, whether they just be for a brief moment and they change up on a brother in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a thing or, or whatever. Can you can you talk about your approach to how you write uh, the, the woman characters? Hopefully very carefully, because <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, you got the lady who was Moses in quotes for a minute. And you got her story arc. You got this other lady who was supposed to be some kind of Native American doctor lady or Native American lady, whatever. And she changed up on him. I mean, yeah. this 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 and, brother's uh, having some challenges in the woman department. We'll say it like that. Right. And then his his latest one in the last story arc was the uh, the psychic lady who uh, whoever she touched, she could kind of invade your mind and and see your your life. Mm-hmm. And um, now all the women that he's met have been kind of. Um, in a sense, w- more powerful than he has been. Yeah. In in different manners of speaking, you know, and, and but they've all been conflicted as well. And I had to kind of, I kind of had to walk that line of I didn't want to write weak women, right? Per se, you know, the damsel in distress, and none of them certainly are. I don't think because, uh, you know, especially uh, Matilda was had never really needed saving. She was mm-hmm. very resourceful. Um. But uh, that's my main thing. I, I even though it's set in a time period where women are regarded almost as like not on equal footing, um, and this probably wouldn't have been written the same way if it was written in that time period. But like uh, I, I'm you know I try to stay with a more modern approach in a old time setting and try to make these women at least somewhat relatable, hopefully um, to the readers. And you know I, I again that's. I hope I'm doing something right because I haven't heard any criticism about it. But, you know, people can find anything in whatever they read or whatever they carry with them. Yeah, I mean, people might say, you use purple too much. Why you use so much purple? Yeah. (laughs) So, now, have you ever heard the phrase, the face that launched a thousand ships? Is that from uh, Odyssey? Something like that. I don't know where. I just heard it. The point I was trying to make is that there's something to a soft, feminine, damsel in distress type of woman. Now, the challenge is, because they're in the 1850s, that's rough and rugged living. 
It ain't right. too many delicate people except children. And they said that fairly quickly. But right. I do like the, the line that you walk with the female characters. They're not too strong where they wouldn't motivate a brother. Oh, she right. got this. I don't need to get my hands dirty. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, kind of a thing. But, yeah. you know, they still have enough of a, 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 they're still vulnerable enough for him to give a damn and want to put himself in harm's way to protect. Because if a woman's right. too strong, that to me, that protective instinct doesn't doesn't pop up. And it's like, well, go ahead, Wonder Woman, you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's like, that's not, that's not going to motivate a man. So I like the way you balance. I like the way you balance that. Right, and then, like I said, I, I I try to put their strengths in in other ways where it's not demeaning, you know. I, I like you know, I'll say Matilda was always, uh, she was always self reliant. Yeah, she's been self reliant. She can take care of herself. Isaiah knows that, but at the same time, he feels kind of compelled to to go on with, go with her on her journey to to you know to meet her journey's end when mm-hmm. she was. Um, and it makes it even more so that sometimes you, you have to question her motives and go, can I trust this woman or not? That lends to her strength in a way because she was strong enough to play the game in some ways. Yeah, and I mean, I think the strength of most women is that they're smarter, <laughs> you know what I mean, in, in, in many ways. And, and so uh, I think that uh, I think that's how to get over. And I like the way you wrote that. And of course, with Isaiah, I mean, he has the determination of the juggernaut. I mean, he just keeps coming, you yeah. know what I mean, kind of a thing. So, so I enjoy that. So, you said that you're gonna you're gonna do like a fifth trade. Is that right? I'm gonna try to do up to five trades. I have. So, this is how I I kind of structured this this whole thing. There's a, s- a specific uh, story I need to tell with this character that establishes him. Um, and it's gonna take these five trades to kind of get it right there. Okay. And then I have an end story, his last story, that takes place several years later, after the Civil War, you know, where he's kind of an older man. And that's that's just going to be titled The End, basically. Is he going to be in Canada or he gonna be in, 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 is he going to be in America or what, what happened? Actually, he, he's actually, he's been trying to head out west um, because most of his seminal people have been pushed out west by, by the, the government. Oh, okay, the, okay. And in history, they have been, and some stayed put in Oklahoma, and some went to the north of Mexico. Uh, but he, since he's been separated from them, he has no idea exactly where they are. So he'll be out west somewhere. Okay. And um, but I left this whole empty space where the Civil War happens. Okay. Now I did that purposefully because I never know if I ever want to revisit him. I might go back and tell a story or two during that. I got you. Or, or if anyone else ever would approach me like, hey, you know, I, I have this great idea. You know, how would this guy be, you know, in the, how would he be in the Civil War, mm-hmm. given that he's got these abilities and stuff like that? And mm-hmm. I there would be a lot of interesting things you could explore in that. I, I just haven't, I don't know if I have the energy to get through all of that and then start that whole chapter. And I, I might, I might be, but right now the plan is to, to finish his, his uh, current conflicts with the people that, that want him. Okay, and, and then you know we'll see where it goes from there. So the end is going to be like an old man Logan story, or pretty much, and okay. it's going to tie back almost already to like the first trade. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. So you see, uh, you see an end to this particular 
in in quotes to this particular character. Okay. Are there other characters that you want to explore or? I don't know. I, I mean, this is the only character that I'm focused on because I do get asked this a lot in, mm-hmm. in a lot of podcasts and stuff. It's like, you know, what other projects you have going on? And I did have a, um, a character I had dusted off from back in the 90s that was like an Egyptian character. Mm-hmm. I had lots of artwork that I had dug up recently during a big move. And I had, oh, wow, I had pages on pages and pages of artwork that I had done that I never assembled and wrote a, a complete story on. So I had started working on that a little bit. And um, and then, you know, I was, I was making it exclusive to a particular site, but that site uh, eventually went down, which was uh, Comic Central. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it was only available as a digital comic. So I kind of halted production on that, but I, I might I might go back and uh, and and relook at that because that that was something I did do. A, I put a lot of work and a lot of effort in. I went to I went to junior college to do Egyptian history. I, I oh, bought wow. books. I did a lot of research on this character to make it as authentic as I possibly can. And um, you know because I didn't want to be you know oh this is just Moon Knight Part Two or this is just another mm-hmm. Egyptian. But that was the thing that discouraged me in the first place is that every time, you know, I got motivated to work on this character, you'd have like Stargate come out, you'd have oh, the wow. mummy, you know, there's Moon Knight already. And then I was like, you know, and, you know, and I was about to do it a few years ago and then Gods of Egypt came out and I was like, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. I got you. I got you. Yeah. I so, think Moon Knight got superpowers now. I used to be a, a Vietnam vet just going around the city fucking people up. Now he, he got... Superpowers. It's like really Marvel, really. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like got a split personality or some shit. It's like, come on, y'all have done fucking ran of ideas, but <laughs> that's serious. So but, uh, uh so let's let's wrap this up, man, and ask a lot of creators this question. When you put these 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 books together, does the thought ever cross your mind that perhaps this could be a film or there could be some kind of animated uh, adaptation uh, someday with this. What do you think? I always like the idea of like a, a Netflix series or something like that. Okay. Because if you do a film, you kind of truncate a lot of the details that I I would prefer to keep it. You know, you have to tell, say, let's adapt the first trade and make it a two-hour movie, and you're like, well, I can't. We don't. We can't fit in this character, or we can't fit in this part. And they all have a, a, a piece that kind of lends itself to the further story. So I think a TV series could probably do that and embellish it as well. Uh, in the same way that The Walking Dead kind of did, although it went off on a different rail in mm-hmm. some cases. But I think it would be interesting. And I think that, you know, the, they could probably do a, do decent with a budget on that too. So If you had um, to pick a writing team and, and producers, like what, what show would you like uh, the Maroon to be? Would it be like a... a, a, a Daredevil or a Watchmen or um, I don't know Smallville or something. Well, it could be Smallville. It's too dark. Um, what do you What do you uh, think? How, how do you envision it? That's a good question. Honestly, um, definitely closer to a Daredevil, just because Daredevil went to those grimy places. And Very grimy. Yeah. Yeah. Where you were just not you, you weren't expecting it. I mean, for God's sakes, Kingpin took a man's head off with a car door, and that was. Oh, that was shit. A- I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> God damn. Just, it was just a, it was a, it was, I mean, he, the, 
that that depiction of the kingpin was was the best depiction I've seen of that character. And um, you know, I just think I, they took their time with each character. They let them stew in their own juices for a while. You know what I mean? Until they just they just burst right out of that pot. Mm-hmm. And I, I I prefer that type of storytelling. I mean. I, I know I, I kicked it off with a lot of craziness where there's a lot of supernatural and monsters and stuff like that. But as you get further in, in, the, in the second volume, there's is not as much of it because I wanted to focus a lot more on the character interactions. Gotcha. And, and you know, I'm trying to return back to form in this new one with a little bit more of the supernatural and, and, and stuff like that. But um, I, I like to kind of have an uneven flow. I don't want it to be like, this is Creature of the Week or this is, you okay. know, such and such of the week. It keeps it unpredictable, you know. Good, good, good. Well, you definitely provided a lot of tremendous reading, man, and 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 strong artwork and so forth. And uh, like I say, man, I never I never get uh, tired of seeing the axe fly. <laughs> Somebody being mid sentence. What? <laughs> oh man, Thor said it best. I should have yeah, went for uh, the head. <laughs> I, I got a lot of heat for. Um, I guess I think an issue. Uh, Seven and eight, I, I lost the tomahawk, and he had to switch to a, a hammer. And one of my readers really liked the hammer a lot. Dude, that I got it in my hand right now. That cover is fucking awesome. You <laughs> hear me? That cover. I remember when the uh, they was on the what the the ghost people came down, the fire people came down because the people was assaulting the women. Man, I remember that shit. That was oh. that was epic. I love that. That's it, yeah. And he got that, that the ability to kind of ignite his weapons. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, I, I'm keeping that. And then, uh, so I have I have something else coming up for him where he's going to be switching weapons again. And then, you know, try to give him a little signature this time. This yeah. one's a little bit more permanent, so. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> if people yeah. want to purchase the comic, tell them where they can find it and how they can follow you on social media. Okay, well, now I'm, uh, I have my digital books up on Amazon uh, in okay. Kindle. So you can get all the issues I have available in digital on Amazon. Uh, you just have to look up the Maroon or the Maroon comic. It's to be more precise. You can see I have issues one through 14 plus the two volumes up there. Uh, I have them also posted up on Comixology as well as Indie Planet where you can also get the physical copies like I know you do. Yep. And obviously that's always a great thing. And, and I can't help but encourage people to leave reviews. Reviews are a godsend for creators like us. And the more you, you review us, you know, the more grateful we are and the more it helps encourage other people to, to check us out. Um, goodreads.com also has the maroon available. Um, and you can also go to my main hub website, the maroon If you need to, uh, find another place where you can purchase it, there, all the links are there. You can go on social media and follow me at all comics, uh, on Twitter and also on Instagram. Uh, and on Facebook, I have the Maroon Comic page where you can also follow me there. 